everybody. Thanks for listening to the USL show brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network of Podcasts, which we are very proud to be a part of. Definitely check the whole network out at bgn.fm as well as on the Twitters at the BGNFM. I am, uh, of course, your host, Evan Valella, joined sometimes by my soccer colleagues, sometimes by my soccer acquaintances, but they are always my soccer friends. And for the next hour or so, I'll be your moderator, host, or maybe even your facilitator of a discussion of the year ahead for, well, Pittsburgh, Bethlehem, and Cincinnati, as well as the Red Bull, too. So joining me this week, we have uh, the godfather of the Beautiful Game Network of Podcasts, um, Bob Lilly's favorite Pittsburghian? I, I would maybe uh no you'll take it you'll take it okay i'll, I'll, I'll give it to it. you yeah sure okay great yeah. great um you might have heard him on the only podcast dedicated to new york ripples too um given the two fan bases that him and myself support we're probably not going to be allowed to to talk to anybody in them anymore because we're on record having a conversation that's civil it is uh it's joe from raising bulls I feel like I have to give some kind of grandiose response. Good evening, my good fellows. Mm, yes, Thank you so yes, much for my good me. fellow. No, it's 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 nice to have you, um, regardless of what people think. I think about the New York Rebels. <laughs> I, in a way, kind of admire what you're doing, and we're doing a great job of stealing it. So, there's that. <laughs> hey, it's uh, it's the definitive source for audio-based FC Cincinnati news. Um, they're literally some of the hardest-working guys uh, going right now, and I think it would have been that way if their team didn't draw like 9 million people to each match. It's uh, it's Brian Weigel from Cincy Soccer Dog. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. Uh, you definitely can say the PR machine for uh, for Cincinnati is, is a pretty big deal, so I'm glad I get to be on uh, the definitive show for, uh, for well, our league. So glad to yes. be here. Yes. Any anything I can use to put like the uh, like the the Sundance Film Festival like the the quotes that are really pretty with the the leaf kind of design, I'll just be you know definitive Brian from Cincy Soccer Dog, and then we'll get like eight million Twitter follows. Sounds good. Great. Uh, and then if USL had an Equestria, he would be our Rainbow Dash, um, following the lead of the United Soccer Coaches Convention. Instead of letting him talk with us for like forty minutes, we're only going to let him talk for like two. And there's going to be a lot of weird technical difficulties, but he'll he'll be okay. You'll still understand his platform by the end of it. I promise. Uh, it's Pony. Hey, how are guys all doing tonight? I'm, I'm all right, man. Doing doing well. It's always uh, it's always nice to have you. You've been summoned by Brian, so that'll be fun. The Twitter <laughs> banter can continue via not Twitter. It'll almost be like before the internet was invented, except for that you know this wouldn't happen without it. I'm not gonna lie. Boston Brazil was a pretty anyway. big motivating factor in this. <laughs> Boston, I, I feel like Boston is the motivating factor in a lot of things that you guys do, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> well, he's he's always tuned in on the Reddit, so. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Anyway, guys, before we get into the uh, the Eastern Conference teams that we represent as a, as a whole, um, U.S. Soccer finally announced what it kind of felt like had been coming for a week. Uh, the USL is like full Division Two, no caveats, no no anything like that. So we did it. Woo-hoo! Yeah, yep, we did it. Um, not sure really what that changes besides there's another league that looks like they're in even more trouble than they previously thought they were that I can't talk about or else I'll get blacklisted, so we'll just leave it at that. Um, but yeah, congratulations, everybody. We are now the uh, you know number one, number two league in the country. So <laughs> for what that's worth, good on everybody. Thoughts from the room, Mike? I know the Hounds kind of made some modifications to Highmark to get compliant, right? Something like that? 
Yeah, it would help if I was, you know, unmuted. Um, yeah, no, so the, uh, that would be good. <laughs> super. Uh, no, yeah, so the Hounds um, expanding Highmark Stadium, so we have enough seating to meet D2 standards. And, you know, the other thing that I'll get into is that um, we also had a coaching change uh, because of the D2 standards as well. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we are now fully compliant, or we will be by the start of the season. So, uh, yeah, bring on D2. You were the ones holding us back is what I'm learning from from that, right? It's that it absolutely that is 100 percent true. Um, right. So right. you know, not another club in the state it's, that we're going to be talking about down the line. That's right. Nope. Right. Nope. Not at all. Yeah. 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 Not at all. To be fair, Louisville City is still going to have a waiver, so <laughs> it wasn't necessarily Pittsburgh. You had to mm. drag them in, didn't you? You had to bring that name up, didn't you? Ryan? Anytime. Anytime. That's my job. It took more than a minute. Jill, would you, Jill, would you like to take a pot shot at anybody real quick? Uh, and being <laughs> that the attendance for my team's games is woeful, uh, the stadium will be. Uh, added on to so we'll, we will also be meeting that criteria but i don't imagine it's going to be any more full than it was the previous two years mm-hmm. i'm just glad you moved out of red bull arena i was actually yes. just talking to someone about that oh, the the usl final yeah that was a it was a that sad was show i had a well i mean you know on the field it was pretty good that's but, true um, yeah the optics on that one not not great pony any uh, any thoughts on on the d2 things I'm just happy for the league as a whole. I mean, it can only be a good thing for all the clubs, especially the big ones going forward. More mm-hmm. recognition, more publicity, maybe more TV deals. Who knows? Yeah. I and mean, I saw it a few before. Maybe we could take those. <laughs> well, it's it, and to your point, I think that's something that gets a little bit of pressure off everyone's plate in a way to not have to worry about, you know, oh, well, are we doing this right so that we're compliant? Now it's just let's focus on playing soccer. So that'll be uh, that'll be good. And then the uh, the other thing that broke a little earlier um, last week was the the new Eastern Conference. So um, St. Louis is on the west side of things now again, which is probably terrible for a lot of people involved. Um, and then we get a couple new friends in uh, Atlanta United to Nashville, North Carolina, and Indy Eleven. So um, a lot of changes, um, I think, probably for the better. And it looks like a congested East is going to get a little even more congested. Um, you know, soon. Yeah, but I, I like the idea that uh, while this league is still growing and changing, they're going to get a lot of these smaller markets also coming mm-hmm. in, and they'll be, maybe be able to shake out a little bit uh, through competition over the next year or so. For sure. Um, Brian, there's a, a bit of a local-ish rivalry for you guys there in Indy. Yeah, we're, we're pretty excited to have uh, Indy 11 involved. Uh, I'm very sad that St. Louis is joining the West. We had a lot of really mm. good relationships between the uh, St. Louisans and uh, a couple other uh, groups over there uh, with uh, St. Louis FC. Really disappointed uh, that they're leaving as well because we had a pretty good winning percentage versus them. <laughs> uh, I think we actually had more points for St. Louis than we did Richmond, so if that doesn't tell you mm. anything. Uh, <laughs> so no, no, it's, it's a really good uh, group of people there. And I just hope they find a way uh, to get Cincinnati and St. Louis to at least play one uh, this year. Yeah. Um, Mike, for for you guys out in Pittsburgh, um, not a whole lot changes really. Um, well, besides a rebrand for someone else. But um, were, were you kind of in the same feeling as, as myself and that you were really interested to see what the younger Tony Poulos was going to do with St. Louis? 
I was. Um, Are you not you now? Know, Is that uh, we can just we no? Can just I really, I really don't care. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> no. I that it's 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 one of those things. Obviously, um, you know, we're we're friends here with uh, with Phil, who covers yeah. St. Louis. So I'm always listening about St. Louis. Interested in what's going on there. It sounds like they've got a ton of great stuff going on, especially through the youth system working their way up. So I think it's a great story. Um, so no, I'm, I'm absolutely going to be be glued to it and see what's going on there uh, with the coaching change, especially now that you know OCB is no more. Um, it's it's a I feel bad that they keep bouncing back and forth, and in all likelihood they'll probably once we go to three conferences. But yeah. Pony, St. Louis joining the West is interesting, if if only because they're pretty far away from almost everybody else. Um, would you have would you have tried? I mean, I guess you know if you could have to stayed in the East if if you were them. It depends what standpoint you want to talk about. If you talk about road trips, which being in the West, we don't understand because there's no teams mm-hmm. close to each other. Mm-hmm. It's better for them to stay out East. But competition wise, if they want playoffs they're going to be much better served in the West who really, I think only has three, maybe four good teams before St. Louis came in at this point their their floor just went way up for how good they're going to do this season. Boom. Hear that Western conference <laughs> shots. You fired. Guys suck. Yeah. <laughs> also, I don't know a date only because I haven't asked for it, but Phil is doing another show with a bunch of, we're going to split it up in the two conferences. So I, I'm handling all the East with, I'm sure, some some various guests like ponies here for whatever reason. Um, and then Phil and co are going to do the West, and they're going to record this week as well and drop on like Friday or Saturday, I think. So That show's not going to be worth listening to. It's not going to be anywhere near the quality of this phone. So <laughs> no, it won't, but, but based off this guest list, it's going to be pretty uh, – it'll be, it'll be good. If you're into the Western Conference, give it a, give it a listen. Um, <sighs> They'll be the D3 to our D2. It's okay. It's fine. D2.5, maybe. Well, uh, gentlemen, I would be remiss to not ask you about your clubs, so I I gave you a little bit of homework in that I like to blindside people, but not about preview things because I want you all to sound like you know what you talk about. So I don't really care who starts, but if someone wouldn't mind talking about kind of the basic info about their team and and some things of that ilk, that would be lovely. I can go first because there's the least amount of information about my team. There you go. Yeah, I was going to say, I know the pain. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So obviously, being uh, the the feeder team to the MLS club, uh, there's a lot of turnover year over year. Uh, this year, heading into the season, they've got what one, two, three, four, five, six. They've got you know <laughs> about six players uh, under contract and ready yeah. to go heading into the season. So there's going to be a tremendous amount uh, of players coming in via the draft. Uh, the Red Bulls also have an off-season invite-only college combine uh, that they've done the last couple of years. Uh, that's where um, Jordan Scarlett, uh, Ethan Cutler came from. I'm pretty sure Andrew Tanari as well, who's sort of a breakout star last season. Uh, so, you know, there's going to be movement, but it is just very slow going. And I mm-hmm. imagine it'll pick up after the draft on Friday. The other additions uh, to the team uh, from the MLS side that I imagine will make their way down at, at some point... Uh, Tommy Redding is coming in from Orlando City. I'm not sure if they see him as a first-team uh, player or you know a, an everyday player, so I imagine he's going to get some time uh, with the Red Bulls too. Uh, Amando Moreno, uh, who was a homegrown player, went out to Tijuana, now he's back. 
Uh, and, you know, all this movement, he's, I think, only 23 years old. Ben Mines has signed a homegrown contract. I expect him to put in a lot of uh, time with the, the younger team. And, of course, uh, people like Andrew Lombard, uh, who didn't really get much time last season, uh, will be seeing an expanded role this season. Other than that, you know, it's, it's more really about what the team has lost. And, you know, you talk about players like Brandon Allen going to Beth Steele. Junior Flemings, uh, David Njem, both going down to Tampa Bay. And I guess uh, just feeding the rest of USL, uh, mm-hmm. who I, I think are tremendously talented players but don't necessarily fit within the system or you know budget constraints of operating the team. Uh, on the sporting side of things, you're going to see what you always see. This team's going to love to press. They're going to try to get younger uh, across the field. And you're going to get a lot of different looks throughout the season because – while you know they they won that championship, they still will lean on that mantra that uh, results are not everything. Development mm. is. Yeah, yep. You, uh, it's it's funny because like you, and I think I can speak for every MLS two team or anyone that covers one. They will tell you that results don't mean anything, but man, those guys do not like losing. Yes, that's very true. <laughs> all, and, uh, up and down, players yeah. on the field, the coaches, they all say that same line, but you could see it on their faces that a lot of these guys just they have no stomach for losing. I I had a a understandably brief, but you know, a little terse, but you know, still professional uh interactions with John Molniak last year up in in Lehigh and uh he was very not happy with the defense. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> a very understandable in those two Yeah, games. yeah, not not the best games from the Bulls that I've seen up in Lehigh last year, which I'm not complaining about, just calling it like I see it. Um so Joe, you know, um How'd you guys do last year? Um, any sure, kind yes. of big wins? And, and you know, who do you think is kind of the next guy up for Red Bull 2 since you lost Junior Flemings and, um, you know, Florian Velo and, and some other guys like that? Sure. Oh, yeah. And obviously Vincent Bezcourt. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So as the season went on, I think they picked up steam. It took a long time for the defense to coalesce. And I think a big part of that was Jordan Scarlett coming in. Uh, he played a more sweeper role to uh, Ndam's uh, sort of um, rough and tumble approach, which was you know, very physical, uh, an aerial uh, sort of uh threat on the offensive side and kind of cleans things up on the back end. But he, he tended to go too hard into challenges and that left uh, RB2, especially a pressing team, out of position a lot. They got caught on the counter a lot. So once Scarlet came in, things sort of settled down and it allowed the offense to kind of uh, have the pressure taken off them a little bit because they didn't have to score five or six goals a game just to uh, yeah. get a result. So once that started to happen, I think things were better. Now, it doesn't really matter how those things ended up at the end of the season because so many of those guys are gone uh, heading into this year. With that said, you know, you're talking about guys that you want to keep your eyes on. Um, I think Ben Mines is a fantastic player. He's got great pace. He's, he's not afraid to get stuck in. He forces backlines to sort of make uh, tough decisions. He puts them under a lot of pressure. And that has been... I think the biggest part of his game, I'd like to see him grow in terms of uh, his hold-up play and distribution, uh, but he definitely has a lot of tools there. The other guy that I'm going to be very interested in seeing is Kevin Pollitz. He's the ACC Defender of the Year. He's a little bit undersized for a center back, 
And coming up to this next level uh, is obviously going to have to deal with a little bit of that learning curve of playing at the faster pace, but also playing against more physical sides. So if there's a guy that, that, that I think has the potential to be that next guy that, that Red Bulls might be looking at, uh, he definitely comes to the top of that list. Uh, I'd obviously Endom and Scarlett uh, would be very close behind him. Mm-hmm. Maybe a surprise would be Andrew Tenari based on the way that he, uh, he grew last season, but I'd, I'd like to see a little bit more of that trajectory before I, I anoint him. <laughs> what's the, what's the, uh, what's the, what's the Joe anointment like? Does he just kind of, <laughs> does he get like a, what do you give him? Like a granola bar? Or like what? Yeah, there's a granola bar. Um, I have a couple Good. of plastic lays. Oh, very uh, nice. Yeah, a Burger King crown. So, oh wow, that's just about everything you could want from the anointment. <laughs> does that give him anything, or is it just kind of like a status? He gets the power of resentment. I think. Mm, mm. Sometimes <laughs> that's the only power you need, really. Yeah, sure. Uh, and then Joe, you know, what's what's the first matchup that you kind of circle off on your calendar as one that you're not missing for anything? Well, years past, that's always been Rochester. Because those games, had one out. right? One out. They, they, they had a great rivalry. <laughs> it seemed impossible for either team to win any of those games unless mm. it was a knockout. And uh, yeah, I, I think the intensity was always there for those. Obviously, that's gone. I, I guess I'm going to have to kind of like lean into uh, the local stuff now. And obviously, with Brandon Allen going to Beth Steele, that mm. is a natural uh, place that I am excited to see. Yep. I would also always enjoy watching them play uh, FC Cincinnati because I think they had a couple of really good games last season and now Tampa Bay uh, to see Junior Flemings and, and David Najem again. Yeah, the, the Najem Derby there, yeah. Tampa Bay. Well, really, it should be like the Najem Cup. It'd be like Tampa Bay, Philly, or uh, Bethlehem and and, um, and Red Bull too, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And obviously because they were knocked out of the playoffs last season, right. they won a, I think that was an insane match to watch as a Red Bull fan, heart and throat kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pony, we'll do this uh, for your sake, just to get you involved. Kind of your general thoughts on Red Bull um, last year, or even heading into this year. Well, last year their defense was their Achilles' heel by far. If they had one of the best defenses in the year, they won it. My, I guess, fear for Red Bulls is they kind of follow the same trajectory LA did, where in the first year they had an okay year, then they got to the finals, although they didn't win that one, and then they dropped back again in their third year, and in the fourth year they cratered. So I'm kind of interested in seeing your thoughts on if they're more likely to hold up their near made bottom of the table standing where they've been locked into for last season and their first year, or if you think they're more in danger of actually falling off the cliff this season. Well, I think what's going to do them at least some favors heading into the season is on the defensive side of things, they're a lot more stable than they were uh, from the championship season to last season, having guys like uh, Hassan and Dom and Jordan Scarlett, Noah Powder, uh, Lombard, whether or not he's going to play as a winger, and even uh, Pollitz, who may come in as as sort of a, a wing back. I'm not sure if I see that, but it's just a possibility. Uh, but having you know that group with Evan Loro uh, being very familiar with each other, I think that even if the offense doesn't get going, uh, they're going to be a little bit stronger than they were. Uh, heading into 2017, uh, with the um, with also with Andrew Tenari returning, having that sort of um, stopper uh, above the back line, protecting them and maybe helping transition 
it should go a long way to kind of calming those fears. What I think is going to be the biggest issue for them, where they had a lot of success at the end of last season, uh, was sometimes bypassing the midfield and allowing Stefano Bonomo uh, to kind of control the game, hold up the ball, wait for other guys to join in the attack, uh, and and build from there. They don't have that luxury this season if Bonomo is going to be uh, spending the majority of the time with the first team. So trying to figure out how they're going to transition into offense uh, is going to be a, a, a big deal this season. And even with the back line still um, uh, having that familiarity, if the midfield is doing you no favors and turning the ball over again and again, it doesn't matter how good that back line is. You're going to be under too much pressure to keep everything out. Just uh, just so I can prepare myself emotionally for all of this, Pony, is your role on this show to sort of be like that angry clown walking around popping people's balloons? So like, <laughs> <laughs> I get myself all hyped up. You're going yep. to be the one that brings me back down there. No, I was, I was actually interested in seeing that because I kind of, over the last few weeks, I've been looking at that and it looks like they had that really similar arc of being decent and being really good and being decent again. And LA kept going on the downside. I mean, I like New York. I actually, they're, out of my East teams or one of the teams I actually try to watch play play because they're fun for me to watch, to, to watch compared to some of the other teams. So I'm kind of interested in, especially seeing the insider's perspective as no one really talks about the Red Bulls at all in the West because <laughs> it's MLS two team and sure. it's the East team. So I was kind of interested on the insider's perspective of how much they, you think it could be returning to the greatness of earlier years. Fair, fair. Uh, maybe after you ask questions, you could play the prices right. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Mike, I was going to ask if you're familiar at all with Valium. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. On like um, a, on like a second hand, on like a, like you know what it does, kind of thing. Not like yes. a first hand. Like I don't. I'm not implying that you abuse it or anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Right, right. Okay. What? Hold on. <laughs> I gotta go. Depressing uh, times Tony in the Lehigh Valley. Basically, the USL shows Valium in that he just kind of keeps everything leveled out and and doesn't let you get too high, but doesn't let you get too low either. It's it's a it's a wonderful thing. That's fair. I know he loves uh, Bob Lilly, so I'm fine. It's cool. That's all. Yeah, yeah exactly. I was gonna say this is the same guy that said Bob Lilly is entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and I just I don't know. Uh, before we move on, Brian, Mike, do you have anything to say to Joe in in, in response to his team other than "Boo, you're bad. Go home." <laughs> Um, I not specifically about the team, Joe. I do worry about your well-being. I noticed that uh, you were doing some live podcasting while you were driving uh, this offseason, <laughs> and I was fearful for your life. Uh, yeah, Joe, please, so, um, please don't do that. I was good. Joe, I was good. Joe, there is no beautiful game network of podcasts uh, plug um, like life or health insurance. That's right. Sure. So <laughs> no one that you love or care about will get a payout from you dying while podcasting. That's true. Um, yeah, maybe that's and we luck. will not cover any of your injuries. We will just laugh at you and post your content. <laughs> Basically what Mike wants to do is be, I should, I should have called you this. Damn it. The Jake Paul of podcasts. The Jake Paul. Okay. Is that a bad, that's a bad reference? All right. Yeah, let's not go there. All right. Yeah, okay, good. Pony got it. All right. Okay. Well, that'll be one for, for people at home that are around my age or, or really hooked into the YouTube scene. Uh, Brian, anything to say to Joe about the Red Bulls other than, you know, stop beating us sometimes? Hey, we finally pulled one out against them this year, so oh, I, I was pretty happy with that. Uh, no, I, I, I'm, you know, that's the one team, regardless of the player moves um, or lack thereof, you just feel like they're going to contend. 
And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I always rank them fairly high just because I know that the, the players are consistently churning through that system. And, yeah, you know, I'd rather play them earlier on the season uh, yep. just because they don't have the time to gel. But that really didn't work for FC Cincinnati and Bethlehem Steel last year. So uh, uh, you never know how that goes. Huh. My favorite. Hey, uh, Mike, I know, you know, you get to talk about the Pittsburgh Rounds every, uh, you know, Monday or, or, or so. Mm-hmm. Um, can you mind? Let's, let's talk about the, the new look 27, 2018 Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Sure. Yeah. Let's do what's, that. Uh, what's going on, man? You guys let's made some moves. That. You brought in some people, you let some people go things. Uh, things it feels stuff like things. It feels like every season's a brand new season. Um, in, well, I mean, that's, that's just in, factually accurate. It's so. just factually accurate it, it, in more ways than one. Right. right. Um, let's do this. I'm going to go all the way back just to, cause I feel like we're, we're. So in 1999, that's right. We are the old men uh, in this conversation. In 1999, Evan, were you born in 1999? Dude, come on, man. <laughs> I know you're. You're uh, okay. 23, you're, Mike. All right. Yeah, you're. 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 I mean, I know. I know. You're. You're surprisingly young in my mind. Anyway, um, found in 1999, we're one of the old guard teams. Over the last few seasons, we've been up and down all over the place. Um, you know, they they like to say that it's always darkest before the dawn. Um, I'd say the karate kick heard around the world was probably 3 a.m. for us as fans. Mm. So um, last year we didn't make the playoffs, but we did see improvements. Uh, at one point we were third in the East before completely flaming out and picking up a string of draws and losses. So that wasn't great. Um, this offseason, a bit stunned uh, when we heard Coach Dave Brandt, who um, I think we were all sort of fans of, but we knew he was a work in progress. He had come up from the college ranks. This was his first time coaching pro, showing improvement, showing signs that he was learning the game, um, was deemed by the USL to be an as- ineligible to coach because he didn't have the coaching licenses required for D2. So, um, you know, our owner, Tuffy Schallenberger, worked his magic, and he brought the USL coach, Mr. Bob Lilly, and uh, and with him five rhinos that helped him to to uh, success over the past few years. So it, there's just a whole lot of optimism going on right now in Pittsburgh compared to what we've had in previous seasons. Mm. Uh, talking to to Coach Lilly, you know, it sounds like when he was in Rochester, he was on a on a shoestring budget, and here, not that it's not shoestring, but it's more than what he had in Rochester. And uh, all reports are, you know, anybody who sees him in the front office, he's just smiling ear to ear all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, owners and front office people are just giddy with announcements that they're waiting to spring on us. So, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want to bring that up early on, but the uh, the club had some fun with you guys earlier today. Yeah, so they didn't. <laughs> so I'll, I'll preface it with this. We said on the show yesterday that we were thinking that there was going to be a player signing announced today. Mm. Um, and they didn't announce that there was a player signing. Instead, they announced that they have partnered with Adidas to provide kits and footwear and all of that for the next five years, which previously they had a deal with Nike for five years. Um, the interesting thing was that the article that they put out said that it was effective, that the partnership was effective immediately, but in the uh, like the image they put out, it said coming February 16th. Yeah. So I just posed the question like, are, is that when like the kit reveal is going to happen or are we getting some sort of rebrand, which has been in talks for the past few years. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we basically got trolled by both uh, the owner Tuffy and the hounds main Twitter as well. Just like 
messing with us and not giving us anything to go off of. So, yeah, you yeah. got Ali up there. Um, I will say that I'm pretty confident that that's going to be a jersey. Yeah, uh, uh, we're we're thinking it's going to be a jersey as well. I don't think that there's going to be a rebrand at this point. Yeah. If anything, we might get a new logo, but like. Mm. I yeah. At this point, I want it to stay hounds anyway, so I'm not yeah. I'm not too torn and, up. About and I it. think, and this is weird, and we're getting derailed, but that's that's how you and I work. Uh, and I, I think they've been doing a good job at kind of rebranding, but not rebranding, if you know what I mean. Like they've yes. been kind of detracting some elements and and adding some things, and yeah. you know, switched to pretty much just black and yellow now. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, and kind of an edgier social media look, which I've really liked. Um, so yeah. Well, um, tell us a little bit about your last year. Um, you know, you said you were as high as third. I remember there was an opening weekend game that you guys were pretty fond of and and wondering if this was the, uh, I don't know, the second coming of maybe some of those early thousands teams. Uh, yeah. Those, uh, wheels fell off. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's that's pretty much what happened. I mean, on the show last year, we talked a lot about the, the opening game of the season where we played uh, Red Bulls, and uh, Red Bulls were coming off obviously winning the league the year before. So we thought this was a good benchmark ended up drawing them three, three. It was a really exciting game back and forth. That was the game that Herzog sort of walked along the touchline and, and went past three players and then picked up the the ball boy and, yes. you know, grab the child. Yes. Grab the child. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so we thought, you know, we're, <laughs> this, is, this is it. This is going to be a fantastic season, nowhere to go, but up. And uh, we went up for a little while and then the team basically forgot how to play in the first half and would just come out and um, just, you know, goal after goal let in. And then it was just an uphill battle from there. And yeah, it it became difficult to watch. Nobody really had any answers. I mean, I think even going into it, 10, 15 games left, we were in a playoff spot and it just slowly went off the rails from there. So yeah, it was frustrating, but. Such is life as a Riverhounds fan the past few seasons, um, which is why I think, you know, everybody is so excited and the front office is intentionally toying with people this offseason is because they, <laughs> because, they know because that they can because they can. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and and they're feeling pretty good about things. And then, you know, maybe an impact signing. And I'm sure you'll say Coach Bob Lilly. And then, um, you know, someone that we should look out for on your side of things that's coming in this season. Yeah, um, obviously Bob Lilly is huge. As I mentioned, I called him the USL coach. Um, yeah, was there a pageant that I missed? No, no, there was no pageant. Um, but uh, you know, I'm going to crown him that anyway. Okay. Uh, he, um, yeah, I guess in terms of in terms of signing, what's most interesting to me is uh, you know Brian. Obviously, we'll talk about since you guys have 20 some players. The Hounds currently have 10. And a lot of that, I think, is by design because Bob Lilly, in a lot of ways, is a bargain shopper. So he's waiting to see sort of what shakes out from MLS and try to snatch up players that way. So I think the most interesting signing maybe yet to come, and there's some speculation amongst the fan base as to who one of those players might be, but we're not saying it on air on any of the shows because we don't want to jinx it. Um, <laughs> but I would say as of right now, probably the the – player that everyone is most excited about just because he's the new hotness he was the most recent sign is joe greenspan mm-hmm. he uh he, he played center back for us for uh 10 games last season on loan from minnesota fc um he's just a beast at center back he was up for or he made team of the week for usl twice and he was up for player of the month i think in may um and that was just playing with us for 10 games so i think everybody is thinking you know we said on the show that 
Bob Lilly takes offense to, you know, being called defensive first, but I think when it comes down to it, you want a rock solid defense that you can build off of. And, and Joe Greenspan, that guy. So I think now that we got that out of the way, it's going to be really exciting to see what happens going forward. And I think mostly. We're just to sort of frame it in terms of where fans are. It's probably Kevin Kerr. And because Kevin Kerr is a really exciting, really good player. The thing is, is that he's probably the only player that we have on the team that fans know for certain what to expect. You know, really have a really vote are and we have an idea of what they could be, but we've never seen them play with, um, you know, some of the other hounds. And so um, I think I think we're all just really excited in general to see how everything happens. And the fact that, you know, Bob Lilly is sort of giddy about some of these signings that he hasn't said anything about yet, I think it's going to be really, really good. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll open the floor up to Pony first to kind of bring you down and then we'll we'll go to Brian and Joe. Pop, pop that balloon, Pony. Let's hear it. Bring it down. Well, I mean, I guess the, the bad news for Pittsburgh is you aren't going to get the games like what still is probably my favorite USL game to watch from, I think it was 2015, where Harrisburg was up 4-2 on Pittsburgh with about 10 minutes to go, and Pittsburgh won 6-5. The miracle on the mound, yeah. That was, that was an amazing game. Even though it's just a regular season game, that was a fun one to watch. But yeah. it should be interesting. If Lily Balls shows up, Pittsburgh is going to be a very dangerous team. Yeah, yeah I agree. They're uh, they're in my and I hate, well, I mean, I don't hate saying this because I like you guys and I like the team, but uh, they're in they're in my you know kind of most improved team just on paper, um, and and a lot of that is because who they brought in. Uh, but you guys got rid of like one of my favorite people and one of the nicest dudes in the league, Taylor Washington, who uh, who's yeah. gonna, you know who's going to Nashville, but. Uh, other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for you guys for sure. Um, Lily's going to provide a – it'll be a different Hounds team. I, I thought firing Brant – well, because you didn't really fire him, but he wasn't eligible, but you could have got the license. I don't know. I didn't think it was his time to go. I'm, I'm surprised, yeah. honestly, he hasn't landed somewhere else by now, uh, college or otherwise. Um, but, uh, yeah, Joe or Brian, do you guys have anything to add to that one? My big thing, I think, is because because I've been missing the the or I will be missing the Rochester Rhinos. Mm. Uh, that that's you won't know. <laughs> the Riverhounds are basically going to be uh, the Rhinos, but I think they've got um, a, a, maybe not a much stronger ability to acquire better talent, but but certainly much better than than Rochester mm. over the last couple of years. And when I look at those teams that he had there, and the number of guys that he lost year over year. And the ability to still uh, have great results and and teams that uh, even if they weren't full of talent, they could play you uh, for ninety minutes and just wear you down and, and find a result. Uh, you know, I, I think we're going to hear this a lot, but I I, I think that they are going to be a very different team this year, and yeah. I would not be surprised to see them uh, towards the top of the table. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little bit uh, different here on you guys. Is has the league passed by um, Bob Lilly? You know, what I mean by that is is the new tactical, the high-level tactical players coming into the league, 
going to minimize the formations, the the style that he traditionally likes to have his teams play. Why do you hate us, Brian? Why just wow? Why is that a thing? No, I'm just kidding. Can't um, be all Mr. Positivity. <laughs> my my only my only counter argument to that, and I, you know, you you have a valid point, and that's something that I think we could discuss. But my only counter argument to that is that I think most people forget or didn't realize that Rochester still came in fourth in the East last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it, Bob Lee's never not made the playoffs. So while Rochester's, you know, I think a lot of people just didn't think of them in the same echelon as the Louisvilles, the Cincy's, the Charlottes, um, they're still always sort of there. So I, I guess as a fan, my thought is, is that I got to keep believing it until I see otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, it may have passed him by, but there are signs that are saying that it hasn't. So, yeah. From my perspective on that, I think that what Bob Lilly does best uh, when we talk about the defensive first uh, uh, tactical <laughs> uh, nuances is that he, they don't lose games very often. They're very good at not losing games. That doesn't mean they're going to get a tremendous amount of wins, but they, they will not get very many losses. And with the way that uh, USL teams kind of have these sort of roller coaster seasons mm-hmm. and with you know players coming in and out on, on various loans and so forth, uh, that is enough to continue to, to get success and find the playoffs. And once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. And uh, Bob Lilly is one of those guys that I think – Maybe not evergreen. I don't think that that he'll always be able to get away with what he currently does, mm-hmm. uh, but it's still enough in this league. Will they, or ha- do they have any inclination of saying they don't want to take any uh, loans from Columbus this year? Well, so the the partnership with Columbus is over since there were talks of Columbus not being around. Um, I don't know if that has been renewed since I don't know what the state of Columbus is at this point, but um, right now the hounds, I don't believe have any MLS partnerships. So we asked Lily about, you know, would you be willing to take guys on loan? And he's totally open to that regardless of the team. Um, You know, last year the hounds were taking, we had a player on loan from NYCFC. We had obviously Joe Greenspan from Minnesota. So it's not just limited to to the Columbus partnership. So I'm not too concerned about bringing in outside players. Mm. Um, I think he'll do it if he has to. My my only, and and I guess this is where, because I want to save Brian, I want to save you guys to the end, because I'm sure you and Pony (laughs) will have some words. Hey theory about if if the league has passed bob lilly which will lead into kind of bethlehem's preview this is the first year where i think that the signings that and not just steel but all of the all of the usl teams are making are like guys that are hungry for one of the you know spots in mls and i think that might be something that that not a lot of teams are going to be used to um just because the guys that you're like, wow, he was a first round draft pick. He was a first round draft pick, you know, like he tactically still has a good plan. I I don't think there's anything wrong with kind of parking the bus and playing Lily ball and, you know, shooting long balls up to Christian Valeski or now like Corey Herzog and Kevin Kerr in the 89th minute and hoping something goes in. Um, But I think this is the first year where you're going to finally see if this is passing him by, which will be interesting. Yeah. Um, his goals allowed has changed a little bit. Last last four seasons, regular season USL, 
Lily has coached 118 games. They've allowed 93 goals in those games. And his worst season ever defensively was, it would be four seasons ago, where he allowed 25 goals in 28 games. It has been going back up a bit. This might be the first season, I think, ever that Lily team has allowed more than one goal a game. If that happens, you're going to be in a little bit of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, this will be weird. I'm going to throw it to myself. Uh, so I cover a little team in the Lehigh Valley who uh, still have not been invited to the Keystone Cup. Thanks, Josh. You guys are awful. Just you guys have it. to Just get do... lights at your stadium first. We're working on it, man. It's it's not ours. It's it's rough. Um, there's been talks, but uh, but called Bethlehem Steel FC or Bethlehem if you're me, I guess. Uh, last year was great. Made the playoffs. Finished twelve eight and twelve. Win loss draw. Um, and really like became a, a honest to God like good soccer team. Um, uh, largely in part due to I think the coaching's always been there. Um, I, I think Brendan Burke is incredibly smart and is really good at developing kids. Um, little background: he was the youngest assistant coach in MLS history with the Union. Um, went on the coach. Um, played at University of Boston. Went on the coach at uh, Northeastern, I believe. Um, and then came back down, took the Steelhead coaching job. Um, has done fantastic, both in terms of what you want from an MLS2 team and player development with guys like uh, Derek Jones and Austin Trusty and more recently Anthony Fontana kind of coming through the system and signing first team deals um, and then getting the most out of some like lower level guys. Uh, you know, he turned Corey Burke into a nightmare for a lot of teams last year. He's with the union now. Um, Seiko Kone just joined the, the, uh, the Korean league, which is crazy. Um, and then he had guys like Santi Moore who put in a, a rookie of the year nomination season and Chris Nanko banged in a bunch of goals and, you know, contributed, uh, you know, hugely to a, a playoff berth for Bethlehem. He had a, a couple really nice goals against Red Bull, a couple really nice goals against Toronto away, which is huge to get wins up there. Um, they'll play a four, three, three or a four, two, well, yeah, four, two, three, one, depending, um, and, you know, impact signing, uh, we got a little guy named Brandon Allen, who you guys might be familiar with from Red Bull 2 slash Minnesota United. We also signed another Brandon, Brandon Aubrey, who was a, a first round pick from Toronto FC last year, um, as well as Omar Holness, who won't be ready until like June, they're, they're saying. But if he gets anywhere close to what he was producing for Monarchs or, or Real Salt Lake, that's going to be a scary group of guys. Um. And uh, player to watch, um, Nanko is a fun one. Nanko and Moore, I think, would be my two. Um, but to go for Joe and someone that I think on the rise, you might want to look out for if they sign Mark McKenzie to a homegrown deal. Um, he just spent a year down in Wake Forest playing college ball, got a little bigger. He impressed me a lot before he went off to college last year. And if they get him back, he's definitely going to play some minutes in, in the USL level. Putting him next to Aubrey should be pretty fun, and that'll be a, a hard defense to crack. Um, rivalries that I like. Uh, anytime we play another team from Pennsylvania is a fun time, especially at the Riverhounds, just because of the banter I have with Mike. Uh, Red Bull 2 is a fun one, and for whatever reason, I really hate playing Richmond. I don't know why. They play us really well. There's a lot of teams that play us well, but Richmond 
for sure stick out as one that we have a hard time uh, getting over. Well, not FC Cincinnati. You guys had our number last year. That was bizarre. That was really bizarre. Um, I don't know what was going on with that one. Obviously, Justin Hoyt went down really early in the first game with a leg injury. Red cards and injuries, yep. Um, which, you know, probably impacted that. But, yeah, no, definitely not something anyone um, was expecting. But I'll take it. Do you guys have the uh, – I would say you guys probably have to have the best – home field advantage in the USL because all the, all the players that get there are like, where the hell are we? Yeah. 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 It's uh, I mean, it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's fair. Thank God. It's, uh, it, thank God that joke landed. It's a, uh, it's a very pretty campus. It is pretty much out in the middle of nowhere. Well, I mean, okay. For everyone else, it's in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. Um, and yeah, I, you know, we have a very angry Irishman as our captain. Um, who all credit to him. I, I think a lot of MLS two teams would be smart to find a guy like that. Who's willing to come in as a USL guy, mentor some kids and, and play some good soccer. So um, if there's one guy that you're going to watch out for and steal, it's James Chambers. He's not going to do crazy things unless he scores against St. Louis and then mouths off to fans. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it was a good year last year and it'll be interesting to see what happens this year. Obviously we're also still waiting for the draft, but after that, I'm sure it'll be fun. Pony, talk me down. <laughs> well, Bethlehem's one of those teams I could really see going quite a few ways. The mm, talent's yeah. starting to come in, a lot of proven USL talent from the good New York team they had a few years ago. Yeah. But it's one of those where we saw a lot of ups and downs with them last year. The consistency was not always there. Yeah. And when the East is getting better and there's less free games now than there ever have been, I think, I guess my worry would be Bethlehem hits their cold streak at a point where they're playing a lot of those bubble teams but they do have maybe upside of something like swope park i think where they they could end up mid table pretty easily and if they get hot at the right time they're going to be a tough out the question is can they get there and can they actually get hot when they need to get hot mm. mm -hmm. yeah i mean you know we saw adam Niem um a lot last year he had like the best game i've ever seen him play uh, against Red Bull up in Montclair when he just kind of went off for like two assists. And that we was... think we thinks he might've been uh, motivated uh, a bit. <laughs> yeah. Can we, can we say a lot of things without saying anything, Joe? I think so. Okay, I think great. Yeah. I, I think he had a little bit extra in him for Red Bull and, and uh, we'll just kind of leave it at that. That's my great fear for Brandon Allen this year. Uh, my... oh, let... Listen, <laughs> listen, Joe, I don't know what happened but y'all loaned him to minnesota united and he played nine minutes i could tell you very strongly exactly what happened oh okay uh, uh well do, do you want is that like a is that like a you want to or do you yeah, not no 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 know? I, I can talk about oh, okay. it okay yeah, uh, please go for it uh so i think when you look at work rate that's where things kind of were troublesome for brandon the the way that the red bulls want to play everybody on the field has to be Know, working as hard as they possibly can and sometimes you don't exactly get that from Brent. Uh, he can dial in and be one of the best players i think in the league inside the 18 but he can kind of drift out of game sometimes too he's very lackadaisical he's very laid back so it's not uh terribly surprising that some of that fi finds its way into his game and so they looked mm -hmm. at that and they said all right if we're not going to have him um if we're not going to have him within the system, 
uh, going forward. Let's try to get him some minutes somewhere because he's a talented player. He can he can potentially be an MLS caliber talent, uh, but he's got to really go out there and prove it somewhere. And they looked at Minnesota and said, all right, this looks like a, a decent destination. They're a team that they're still kind of coming together. Um, maybe he could find some minutes there and it did not go as planned. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. here we are. So I, him going out at the end of the season really wasn't too much of a surprise because mm-hmm. I think the, the team knew pretty quickly last season that uh, it was time to start looking in another direction. Sure. Uh, but I still think, you know, he's got a tremendous amount of talent. I think that the right team uh, can get a lot out of him. Obviously, from from the penalty spot, he's fantastic. And inside the 18, you know, one touch, two touch, he is fantastic. But if you're looking to play a system that is going to value possession, things can be a little dicey with him. Mm-hmm. My my counter to that, and it's a weird one, but hopefully you guys are understand, and and then maybe some some listeners who've interacted with them before. We uh, we played Corey Burke up top who's Jamaican. They are not known for being terribly anxious people. So, you know, for you, for you to say that, you know, he's kind of a laid back guy and, and maybe turns off, you know, his game every once in a while. I don't think that's something that's new to, to the coaching staff at Bethlehem steel. <laughs> Fair. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think they got nine goals out of Corey Burke. who's gotten plenty of Jamaica caps since and everything like that. So, um, I think you factor that in, and then you have a probably pissed off Brandon Allen. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. And again, I don't think that he's a bad player at all because no, no, no. if you can do what he can do in the box, there's a reason why you can get to this level and still have those sort of those faults within your game because you have the talent to carry you through. So mm-hmm. that's where I think on the development side, maybe it's soured a little bit because he has these bad habits that I, I, I don't think that they see him breaking. However, that's not necessarily a detriment to every team, just the Red Bull system. Sure. Sure. Um, and maybe, you know, change the scenery, all that, all that fun right, stuff. Right. Uh, Brian, Mike, anybody uh, care to chime in? Uh, I'm excited to get some revenge. <laughs> Fair enough. I just don't want to play you guys three times. I, uh, yeah. You know what? I, I, I'll give you this. All those games, and I think every game that we played against you guys, really, um, has been close, which is nice. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, so you know, I'd rather take three close games. <laughs> I think uh, you know it, it's kind of like New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, you if you guys, he's always kind of way says if you, if you click, you kind of get the right things going. You get the right uh, combination of players in there. You're going to be tough to beat. Uh, I felt like one week we played you guys. You had the MLS B team there. I mean, it was a it was a quality group of guys. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. So you guys, it's a little inconsistencies, but I mean, there's there's definitely going to be talent there with these uh, MLS two sides. For sure, and you know, it's definitely it's one of those things. And Joe, I'm sure you can attest. Um, it's you know difficult to know what's coming down the pike until you know the day of the game. Um, and, and some weeks you get a guy like a like a Adam Niem, or in your case, you know, like a, a Florian Velo or, or, or Junior Flemings or Derek Etienne. Um, and then another week, you know, you're left with you know just your USL guys and some academy kids. Um, so, yeah, definitely one of those things where like I would like to have a little bit more of a consistent roster, but at the same time, like you, um, uh, you know, kind of. Uh, 
I don't know. I like I look forward to the challenge of oh look, it's you know Derek Jones from the first team or whatever, and he's gonna play sixty minutes. Marisa Dews here. That's kind of weird. Um, you know, but yeah, for sure, I, I definitely you know always am up for the challenge. Well, that being said, <laughs> um, Brian, it is a uh, it's it's time to talk some some FC Cincinnati. Um, a team that almost doesn't need an introduction, but just for formality's sake, we'll do one anyway. Well, apparently we have 60 players on the roster for this, this season. Yeah, you guys, and, and that's a you guys have, well, it's what, 22 now because Wiedemann and, and Fall are, are gone? 24, 24. Yeah. Still 24? Yeah, okay. still 24. Those guys were off the roster for this uh, past. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, we got 24 now, with Nazmi Aladavi. Now, to 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 justify my, my train of thought, you know, in more than 240 characters or whatever now 24 in January seems a bit high. Um, and, and, you know, I, obviously I'm a little in the dark ones, two teams. So I have like eight people in my roster right now. <laughs> Do you know, like, are all those guys for sure staying? I know there was a couple of people that were chirping me on Twitter and not in like a mean way, but just, you know, saying, well, you know, we want two teams so that we can make a deep U S open cup run and, you know, all that stuff. So like, what's the, what do you think is the is the game plan here for for coach and the and you know the team? Sure. Well, I I think uh, from from the beginning of uh, of the cycle of um, Coach Koch kind of building his roster, he's always said that he wants about uh, twenty five players, twenty four twenty five players on his his roster for this year, mm-hmm. and uh, so I think that kind of fits um, the bill a little bit with the with the with the player signings that we have currently. So I think you're going to see maybe a couple players brought in during preseason, such as trialists. That's what coach Koch said on our show last night that might, you might sign one or two of them. We might loan a guy or two out, but I think for the most part, the roster size is going to stay fairly consistent in that 24, 25, uh, player gap uh or player range i mean you know sacramento last year they they ended the year i think with 25 players we ended the year with 26 so it's not like it's too far out there but um, is that just a, like you had to win that too what oh oh geez like you know to beat sacramento sure yeah absolutely you just needed like one extra player did they absolutely. sign you for a day was that absolutely well I, i'm gonna kind of start this off a little bit you know we're, we're talking about the, the team's <laughs> histories and yeah. uh, it, it honestly, it, it it started before preseason last year. Everybody always says, you know, Coach Harks getting fired was the reason FC Cincinnati had a rough season. You could see the mm-hmm. problems midway through 2016. I, I want to say it was like 13, 14 games into 2016. You really started to see a lot of the holes in the in the system in in the type of players that we have or the lack thereof we didn't have many technically gifted uh playmakers on the roster we had a lot of good you know former mls guys 27 28 year olds that are they're kind of that that aged out generation that's really never been Mm -hmm. successful and we kind of built our squad on on those types of players and you saw that kind of transitioning into 2017, even with Coach Costa, we just didn't have the type of players that can unlock the Rochesters, the Louisville cities of the world, mm. and 
I think that that really saw a struggle towards the end, especially when we couldn't hold possession, and it was like open season on Mitch Hildebrandt and our back line back there. So uh, you saw a lot of that, and uh, in, in terms of, you know, we had 32 players total play, uh, play for the Orange and Blue last year. How much dead weight that we had to carry through injuries with Eric Stevenson, Omar Cummings, players that were signed by Coach Harks that just weren't very good. Um, I'm going to say this Louisville fans, uh, Louisville City fans are probably going to be mad, but like Pat McMahon, we had him all year last year. He won the Cincinnatus award because he went to like 40 grade schools and talked to people. He never saw time on the field. The one time he saw any time on the field was in a, in a tune-up game versus the Cincinnati uh, Dutch lines of the PDL. And he just got worked over. So we had guys like that. that were just taking up spots and it was really tough. And uh, so, that, you know, that's why you saw a lot of guys uh, kind of come in and come out. And I think you saw a lot of the chemistry issues uh, due to, um, you know, Coach Koch just trying to bring in warm bodies. So uh, mm-hmm. long story short, I think that's what kind of got, uh, got got FC Cincinnati into a lot of issues. Um, but he's kind of rectified that, I think, going into 2018. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard uh, the stories about Coach Koch around the globe. You know, where in the world is Coach Koch? Mm. He actually went and flew around the world to meet with every single signing. So he flew to Israel to meet with the Kalkani. He flew to Ireland to meet with Patty Barrett to, to get the gauge of the guy, to get the chemistry mm. factor right on this team. And, and, you know, those are things that you really can't measure. But uh, when you look at a guy like the Kalkani, who we're, we're envisioning as most likely our starting center back, uh, potential captain uh, for FC Cincinnati in 2018, you know, this is a guy that was celebrated by Maccabi Haifa. He had Tifos in his honor. You know, that, that doesn't mean that he's a good player, but clubs don't do that for crappy players. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to see a lot of guys, you know, with question marks kind of coming into the year this, that we just don't know about. But I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised with a lot of these players. And that includes a lot of the, NA, the NASL uh, All-Stars that uh, people keep talking about. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, the, the one guy, and this is only because I have a theory in that, that the USL as it grows bigger and as, as you know, there's more teams. So the talent pool is, is evolving. Um, I, I'm very interested to see how Patty Barrett adjusts. Um, sure. Mm-hmm. And, and just kind of, you know, what happens with him, you know, because I think that Ireland is a, um, I don't know, like football or, or soccer for them is kind of a, a niche sport in a way. They're a very rugby um, nation, and it's a it's a very tight knit community of, of players um, for sure. But I, I think you know James has adjusted really well. Um, maybe after two months or so, um, and and you know especially in his second year, really played well. So definitely Patty Barrett, and then yeah, I mean anytime there's a a NASL guy that comes into the USL. Um, everyone kind of, you know, perks their head up a little bit and starts to, to wonder how they're going to adapt to well, we you know, ha- playing more than five teams and, sure. you know, not having a lawsuit out <laughs> against them or, or anything like that. So, well, in, in kind of talking about Patty Barrett, you know, Coach Koch is pretty smart. He went out and got Forrest Lasso from Charleston, you know, USL best 11 guy to, you know, even kind of come in and replace. Uh, you know, some of the key losses, such as Harrison Delbridge and Austin Berry. Austin, of course, retired. Uh, Harrison Delbridge is getting red cards down in Melbourne City. <laughs> so, okay. uh, so yeah, I mean, he, he's taken a lot of steps to go out and, and find specific pieces. Whereas, you know, last year you saw, I've kind of made the mention of dead weight. 
you go out and get a, a Mele Temgi, a, a Marco Dominguez, uh, Victor Manserai, all three guys who were, were highly regarded MLS players that never really got a lot of time. And I think that might have hurt them in their development process. Then they get into a, a competitive situation down here in Cincinnati where they're having to battle for minutes, and they don't thrive in that situation. So you need to go out and get the right type of player to fit with this type of club. And I think, I, you know, I, I believe he's going, he's gone out and done that with, with a lot of these signings that you've seen, uh, uh, I'm sure, pasted on social media. I mean, I feel like we have to have a press release for every single uh, player we signed this year versus batching yeah. them out. But uh, yeah. makes for a lot of content. Now, um, Mike, I know you, your your internet died. So um, if you have anything for Brian or myself, even now would be a good time. And then Joe, we can you know move on to you and get all of our kind of questions out of the way for Brian. And then I'll let the uh, human wrecking ball over here, Pony, kind of come in and work his magic, I suppose. Well, first of all, Evan, for you, uh, can we yeah. refer to Bethlehem Steel as just Beth Steel now? I mean, that sounds like a female professional. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and, uh, I don't know I what Joe was doing with that one, but I'm not. I'm not against it. Okay, so Beth Beth Steel it is perfect. Yeah, um, we'll do. Wait, people don't already call them Beth Steel. All the nah, time. man. So the style. I, why am I? Whatever. <laughs> uh, this is when you know that you're a little like too. I don't know. Entrenched with the team. Technically, their shorthand is Steel FC. No fair. All right. <laughs> Not no more. Not no yeah, more. Now, now I guess I'll just I'll just. Can, and in case you don't already know, I've referred to the Red Bulls too as the Montclair Miners. I feel okay. Like, yes. I, I just like calling you guys the Baby Bulls or the Cows that works. sometimes. That works. Yeah. Okay. Great. And and uh, I do have a question for Brian. And this is this is sort of a deep, maybe take it off the rails question. But I was thinking about this today. And, uh, and Brian, I'm sure that you're going to have a good answer for this. And actually, you guys are probably all going to think I'm crazy for even asking it in the first place. But um, I'll set up the question, and then I'll sort of give the rationale for why I'm asking the question. But it came to me, Brian, why... I lost him. It's... Mike, did you go away again? Yeah, I lost him. All right, Mike went away again. Now we'll never know what that question was going to be, which is exciting. <laughs> Maybe he can get back um, on and he can ask me. Yeah, yeah. Um, or, you know, he'll just call in the Cincy Soccer Talk. We can just plug our shows in, yeah. in, in like perpetu in perpetuity. We, we take forever. live callers. It'll be, it'll be um, Joe, while we wait for Mike to maybe come back, uh, do, do you have anything for, for, for Brian? Okay, Brian. Uh, obviously now, you know, we're talking about uh, – Nashville is coming in. There's that that lull that might be hitting the team fans slash uh, everybody in general. Obviously, some other rough patches that have happened over the last two years. You covered that a little bit. Um, but I want to talk about uh, specifically what this team is going to look like on the road because they've been so good at home uh, in front of those fans, but they continue to kind of struggle when they have to go out there and get results. Uh, with the turnover, you know, you mentioned with, you know, Austin Berry uh, leaving, uh, Jimmy Fall going out, obviously some of these new guys coming in. Is, is, the, is the group changing enough uh, or maybe even the mentality changing enough where they're going to start to get some of those results and maybe uh, help push them into uh, the elite uh, of the East? Well, I could probably give you a better answer after their first training session uh, this upcoming Wednesday night, but... Uh... 
you know, just seeing the type of players that they brought in. Uh, Daniel Haber, who played with uh, Real Monarchs. Uh, you got, you know, you still have Kenny Walker. You have Corbin Bone. You got the Matt Bainers of the world. And then you bring in guys like Spencer Ritchie, guys who've been around the block. Uh, you, you got Tommy Heineman, for goodness sakes, who who's a, a USL old-timer. So I think you're going to have these guys that are used to playing in difficult situations. Um, you're going to have, yeah, okay, Naz Abadawi and Emmanuel Ledesma. They, you know, they're, they're NASL guys, but they've, they've been around the block. They've had to travel to Edmonton. They've had to play in, in difficult situations with the Cosmos. So I think you're bringing in a lot of guys who are familiar with the situations where if you maybe bring in a former MLS guy or a couple international guys like a GB Fall who come in and they're just like, what the heck is this? Uh, I think that's going to play a big role for FC Cincinnati. You know what? I could absolutely be wrong. Uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure on these guys to perform because, you know, they may be playing for a spot in an MLS team in 2019 for, for an FC Cincinnati squad. You know, that rumor's still out there. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on these guys to perform. Uh, one of my concerns is they kind of sometimes might play for themselves. Uh, when you're, you have so many guys, like, you know, Spencer Ritchie, Evan Newton, just in between the pipes themselves, you know, these guys are going to be pushing so hard to perform uh, that, that it could could lead to some things. But, you know, me being an optimistic, I think that's kind of our, in our advantage right now. But, you know, you, you see Forrest Lasso been been around the block. And, you know, that, that makes me feel a little bit better about this situation, that they can go in there and relate to some of these new guys or some of these NASL guys. Would you say, and not to make a pun about uh, a GP fall, but uh, would you say these guys are chomping at the bit? <laughs> All right, man. I'll know more tomorrow, right. man. I, I think you, so. I mean, you, you can't say that you're not making a pun. <laughs> sure. Yeah, you're well, gonna make a really obvious pun. You have to like, say you're not making a pun to start. Let's put know. it this way: some of these guys are talking smack to Louisville City fans already on social media. So I, I love mm-hmm. that as a fan. You know, you, you got guys out there that are they're really bought in. It seems like right now to this. This project, which is FC Cincinnati, I mean, that's what what it really is. It's it's a new frontier, and uh, I think the, these are a lot of guys excited to be here. And uh, I mean, it's 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 not like we're bringing in, uh, you know, some some prima donnas. I mean, you have Tyler Gibson, who's who's kind of the unsung hero. They called him the MVP of the second half for the San Francisco Deltas in that midfield. I mean, this isn't a guy that's you know, been heaps heaped on praise uh, through his whole career. So uh, you're going to have those blue collar guys that that we really just didn't have uh, here in FC Cincinnati. And, and it's, I think I said this time and time again is technically gifted players that are are bringing brought in by by Alan Koch. You you see the Emmanuel Ledesmas, you see uh, the the Nas Awadawis. Um, God, if I can say that name right ten times, that'd be great. But uh, <laughs> I, I think you, you're seeing these types of guys that are kind of a new frontier into the USL as well that are bring, being brought in to, to be able to unlock the Penn FCs, you know, when they bunker back in or the Louisville cities who are the best in the world at, at playing on that crappy field. And, uh, you know, I think they're, they're, you're going to see something a little bit different out of, out of FC Cincinnati this year just with the, with the type of player specifically brought in to fill each role in in the plan for Coach Koch. Well, that was all lovely and civil, um, Pony. Uh, Beat me over the head. Just, uh, one, one of those. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, 
I guess I'll just more do the back and forth by there's three things over the past two years I've seen to me be habitual problems with Cincinnati or at least potential ones going into this year. I know one of the things you're talking about is how Koch has gone all over picking up exact pieces he wants, but with the amount of pieces I've picked up, how do you think it really, the team fits together if one of those pieces who he went way out of his way to get suddenly is finding themselves with no play time? Well, I think, are you talking about, so a chemistry issue, potentially? Potential right, chemistry. potential chemistry issue with 24 players who are legitimate starters. Well, that can happen with anywhere. I mean, you heard uh, Coach uh, O'Connor say that with, you know, with his 20 in, uh, in Louisville City the past year. Uh, if you get guys that are going to buy in, you get the right type of players that the coach brings in, you hopefully can alleviate that problem. Everybody's going to have to contribute at some point. You know, Cincinnati, the fans uh, are have exceedingly high expectations. Those ex- expectations couldn't have been driven any higher with that great U.S. Open Cup run. So I think you're going to have those opportunities where they're going to try to go out there and, and win those U.S. Open Cup matches and, and, and get guys chances. Now, this isn't a top-to-bottom squad full of, full of all-stars. I mean, you have the Gary Halfhills, the Sem DeVitts, the Will Seymours, Russell Russell Cicerones. I mean, you got six or seven guys that are most likely, and they probably understand, they're, they're probably you know, the, the, the non-18 guys. And I think that those are the young guys that are hopefully going to try to battle and push everybody. So, I, I, yeah, you might see a, a Patty Barrett or a Forrest Lasso might not get 30 starts. They might get 20 or 15. You know, that's on Coach Koch to manage that. And, I, you know, I, I hope that him going out and traveling and meeting with these guys at least will help a little bit versus just trying to throw 30 names on a board and hopefully one or two of them will fit in. And, and you saw it last year with uh, Daryl Fordyce who came in. He didn't get a lot of playing time. And Coach Koch was really quick to get him out of the dressing room. And I, I got to give credit to a guy who's on a lot of money. The coach, you know, I think actually Alan Koch actually brought him in that he uh, went and made that move. So he's he's definitely going to take the chances to to get those cancers out of the uh, out of the locker room. Andy Craven, you know, that's another example. Right. Do you think if the lineup keeps changing, that could be a little bit of a difficulty for the team? I know from a Sacramento perspective, there are a lot of injuries throughout the season, and mm-hmm. the starting eleven and eighteen would change sometimes three times in a week when we play three games and sure. seem to wreak some havoc with the team because no one knew exactly who's going to start each week, who's going to be where. And again, it goes to a chemistry thing, but that starts getting, I guess, broken up if you're going to change the lineup on a regular basis. Do you think yeah. Koch is going to stick with his final 11 he likes by the end of April and then roll that through the season? Or do you think he's going to keep it fluid and hope the team as a whole can work together well? Well, I think you saw last year with FC Cincinnati, they, they ran out about five different formations and about probably 10 different tactical setups within those formations. So you saw a lot of changing pieces, and, and he did what he needed to do to get the guys into the playoffs. And I think you're going to see FC Cincinnati kind of tailor themselves towards their opponent a little bit uh, in certain situations. I think you you know some instances you might see a, a, a three-man back line. Sometimes you'll see a four-man back line. Um Overall, I don't think that's necessarily a weakness uh, per se, but I think it also, uh, if you're you know taking out some of your big playmakers like a Ledesma, like an Al Badawi, uh, every week, and those two don't know, you know, these are supposed to be the two guys that are really supposed to be pulling the strings. If those two guys are in flux every week, I think that's a big caution sign. But if those two are there every week and the pieces around them are changed, I think I'd feel a little bit better. Uh, if you 
kind of understand where I'm going at with uh, with that answer. Uh, I, th- I think I get your general one. I guess the spine has thing. to be consistent. Right. That's always a goal, even if it's not always possible. So another thing, I guess, I guess the good news for Cincinnati really is Rochester going away and Charleston walking off a cliff because those have been two types of teams that <laughs> they've had problems with. Sure. And how do you think they're, how is their team built better this year to break down the team that will just go, we're not going to let you score. And if we get a one goal lead, you're not coming back from this. I'll be completely honest with you. We had, we had two worthwhile midfielders on our roster the past two years, Corbin Bone and Kenny Walker. Now you bring in Emmanuel Ledesma, as you said, Naz Al-Badawi. Uh, you bring in some of these guys that are you know a little bit more technically gifted, and I think they're going to hopefully possess a little bit more of the technical ability to, to possess the ball, to get a little bit more creative with the runs. I can't tell me tell you how many times last year we saw we saw uh, Harrison Delbridge launch 50-yard balls, and Corbin Bone, who's not a tall guy, and Kenny Walker, who's not a tall guy, try to win 50-50 balls, and that's not not the way it's going to go. So you see how it's how the the roster is set up with with a Tyler Gibson and, and probably that D mid role maybe next to Kenny Walker getting that ball up up the field to uh, to Naz and then him to to look at his targets with maybe a McLaughlin maybe a uh, uh, Emery Welshman who I'm I, you know, I don't know what to expect from him but I think that this 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 the uh, the sky's the limit for him and then of course uh, you know you have Tommy Heineman up there that. He might not be the most technically gifted, but he's a guy who's known to be able to hold up the play a little bit more to take on two defenders. So I think you're seeing a lot of complementary pieces that that hopefully will build into something a little bit better. I mean, he he said it on our show: is you you got to build the team, you got to you have to have a plan. And I just don't think there was that plan under Coach Harks. He just basically took who he could get, and um, so I feel a little bit more confident now. I said I could be 100% wrong. But, you know, seeing the players we brought in at this time last year to now, I really feel like you can see exact s- specific roles for each player, whereas we were hoping Fordyce could could be a, uh, a, a attacking midfielder. He never played that role. We thought Mansurai could be a right winger. He never really played that role. So, um, yeah, I, I feel a little bit more confident that these guys are going to be able to do what they've done their whole careers versus, you know, praying that they can make it a little bit of, a, uh, of an adjustment. All right, that makes sense. I guess going on to the third thing that I've seen for Cincinnati has a really scary trend for them is there's basically three types of team Cincinnati rolls out. There's a team that beats everyone they're supposed to beat. Cincinnati is unbelievably good at that, probably one of the best in the USL. They've, in the history of the last two years, lost two regular season games to a team that failed to make the playoffs. And those were both last year. They had dropped one to Orlando and to Ottawa, neither of which are really bad teams either way, just not quite playoff contention. But on the flip side, they have really struggled against top sides. In two years, they beat a team who finished top four that season twice out of, let's, out of, let's see, 17, uh, no, so yeah, 17 games. They've won twice against a team that went top four. Both those actually Louisville. Louisville City, yeah. I really like to show up against for some yeah. reason. It's almost like there's a rivalry there. That was on the road, too. Yeah. What an, yeah. So it's just, that's my kind of question of how do you think they're really going to, how do, how do you think, how likely do you think the team is to fix that when through two years they're two wins, nine losses, and six draws against teams that went top four? Because if they could beat all the bad teams, they're going to finish mid table again. But sure. do you think they 
think the talent came in and how does it really work together to not only play to the level more consistently, but to be able to pass the top teams? How are they going to pass a Louisville who's returning their entire roster? How are they going to pass sure. a Tampa Bay who is returning most of the roster and bringing in a few new really good players? In your mind, at least, because I've seen them struggle again and again against the top teams while destroying the bad teams. And while I will get you playoffs every year and I'll make you look strong, I just can't see that being an ultimate USL Cup success mm-hmm. until Cincinnati can find consistency against the best of the best. I was going to say, you know, kind of going back to your word consistency, which I think you uttered probably five or six times there, you see with this roster guys who have consistently played over the past three, four seasons. What I mean by that is you don't have these guys that have sat, you know, Nashville, I'm going to give the perfect perfect example. I think two of their uh, wing, or fullbacks are, you know, they played like six games over the past two or three seasons. You know, their quality players have been on MLS rosters, but they really haven't been out there. You have guys that have been best 11 players numerous years on this roster coming in. You've had guys, even the guys who are down further on this roster, um, such as uh, such as Daniel Haber. He scored seven goals every year for the past three years. So you're getting some of these guys that have been around the block, know, know the USL game, have had proven success in the USL match, whereas you know you had guys like, and God, I wish we would have held on to him last year, but like an Antoine Hoppino who came in you know, two mm. years ago. He's kind of an unknown commodity. You had Andrew Weidman who bounced around a lot. He was our most creative player. And he was, you know, he was bouncing around 18 different positions. So uh, I think you're bringing in guys like the Gibsons, the Heinemans, Langs, who've always just put that consistent, uh, you know, those consistent numbers up there, those consistent stats. And I think that's hopefully going to transition. Now, it's a brand new roster. I think you might see two or three guys that were in the starting 11 actually be in the starting 11 this year. So it's going to take a lot of time. For these guys to gel, they got eight weeks in the preseason. As I said, they're starting tomorrow on the 17th. So they're going to have a, a long way to go in those eight weeks. But I, I think just with the track record of all these guys, um, you're going to see a lot of positivity versus a lot of the uncertainty that we saw uh, the past couple of years. I mean, who would have thought that, you know, Corbin Bone would still be a part of this FC Cincinnati roster? This is a guy who, who, was almost done. He was almost washed up with the Wilmington Hammerheads three seasons ago, kind of in and out of the roster, and he's come in. You know, he's been one of these these high-character guys that Coach Koch has modeled himself after, and we keep guys like that around the club, guys like Kenny Walker, you know, and then bring in these new guys. I think that's going to help, at least with the, with the environment around the team, and hopefully breed some more success. Now, a lot of this is wishful thinking. I wish I could give you a lot more uh, hard facts. Uh, you know the the things I can say is Emmanuel Ledesma created the most chances in in NASL last year, and guess who was second? Naz Abadawi. That guy also set the uh, NASL record for assists a year ago. Um, I mean, every guy who's come in has has put up results. Ledesma finished third or fourth in scoring in 19 games. So uh, you know there there's there's these guys that have been around the block that. I think we'll we'll hopefully bring some success and hopefully kind of push the USL out of this. And I'm going to take a shot at Pittsburgh here, but uh, you know, kind of get out of that lily ball and kind of get into a little bit more mm. beautiful style play. That's what we all want to see, right? Something like that, yeah, for sure. Maybe. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think still there's 2012 Charleston's the worst defensive team to win at all in modern <laughs> USL at like 1.1 goals allowed. <laughs> 
Yeah, that then that, I'll be I'll get, be completely honest with you. That's my biggest fear. We have all these new guys on that back line, all these new center backs. Now, of course, you have your 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 fullbacks. I think Lance Lang will, will be pretty good on that left side. You know, it's a coin flip between Hoyt and Boehner on that right. But uh, I think if anywhere, that's that's where you can be a little bit timid, kind of going into the season. But that's where it's going to be on Tyler Gibson, Kenny Walker to really provide that defensive cover. Yeah, I think a good thing for Cincinnati is they have two really good measuring sticks out the gate because do they have don't is it Louisville and Nashville in the uh, first few Indy. weeks? Yeah, well, we start in Charleston, who I think is going to be I think they're going to be de- decent. I mean, they got Sven Tessen, who had ten goals last year uh, for Tulsa, and then you know of course they're they're missing Williams, but they got a lot of young guys, so I think that's going to be a good measuring stick. And then yeah, as you said, week three at Indy, week four. Uh, home versus Louisville, and, and there might be a week two matchup somewhere. between. Uh, it's either going to be a bye or it's either going to be at uh, North Carolina or Charlotte. So it could be a lot of good games right off the bat. Yeah, those are good. If Cincinnati actually looks good in those games, they have a pretty high ceiling. Yeah. That'll be a good one to quickly see if they're going to live up to, I think, the hype. If they come out flat, that could be a danger sign. But if oh, they yeah. take a few wins of those, I think they're going to cement themselves as they're going to finish top four. I hope so. I put them. I put them top two this year. So I'm. 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 I'm bullish, as Jeff Birding likes to say. <laughs> I can see him up to third right now. As I think, realistic. I think, least, at least to me, a realistic high level goal is so, top three. I, I wanted to ask you this question, Pony, um, because Alan, Alan Koch said this last night on our show. If you stay pat, you're doomed for, for failure in this league. Okay, what has Louisville City done? Okay, they're they're bringing a, guy, a group of guys again who won. Won a great, uh, great title last year. They they ran away with it, in my opinion. But they haven't really improved. They haven't really gotten out. I mean, Magnus Rasmussen. But uh, that kind of gets me a little bit nervous. You know, staying pat. We thought FC Cincinnati was going to be pretty good because we maintained like sixteen players. Mm. And yeah, yeah, didn't transfer. I actually, I agree with that. That that's actually I have I, right now. I have my number one team in the East. If I had to rank them, would be Tampa. Tampa. Mm-hmm. Because Tampa, I think, has improved a bit while Louisville kind of stood still. The reason I think Louisville is still going to be high is how much better they were than everyone last year. Mm-hmm. It wasn't one of those where there were a few teams hanging around. They won a close spot at the end. Louisville, I think, was clearly the number one team in the West, in the East. I mean, they finished eight points clear of Charleston. So I think they're still going to be high because they were so much better than everyone else. But if they stand pat for a second year, they could be in for a very rude awakening. I think. Sacramento out west is another good example of a team who really hasn't improved a lot since the first season skill-wise and has dropped from being one of the top teams to being now hopefully to make the playoffs. Yeah, so it's it's funny that you guys actually just kind of walked into two Twitter questions. We got one from um, friend of the program, Kyle Kepner, and another one from Brian, who is at bmut 46 Brian, I was going to try to say your last name, but I'm, I'm just not. People will find you. Um, so Brian asked, will the moves um, FC Cincinnati make or, or are making turn the USL into an arms race, you know, which is kind of where the same four or five teams are at the top every year. And, and is that good for the league as a whole? And then Kyle wanted to know, um, you know, if if Indiana or, or North Carolina is going to bring some parity into the awful one horse race of, of 2017. Um, I mean, yeah, I. And, and I, I think, you know, it kind of goes back to something all of us touched on in, in some way, shape, or form earlier in that the signings that a lot of teams are making this year, like across the board in the East, have been 
better or at least smarter than they have been probably ever. Um, and I, I don't know if you're going to like, I still think the East is going to be pretty much like we're going to figure out who the, the number one team and the number two team are pretty quick, but everything below that's going to be pretty tight. So I think it, the narrative of, of the arms race for FC Cincinnati, I think it's been Tampa. Uh, I mean, look at that roster. It's insane. Uh, guys, you know, NASL guys, key players, Lance Rosenboom, that's a guy yep. who's been a consistent player, the captain for Ottawa Fury. Yep. I'm not sure he's going to see the field. You got <laughs> you got yep. David N- David Najem, yep. probably right back maybe, Junior Flemings. Yep. I don't understand the Junior Flemings signing personally. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of quality guys on that roster, and I think that's what FC Cincinnati wanted to measure themselves up. You know, who can you bring in to beat – or to contain Marcel Schaefer or to keep the ball away from Marcel Schaefer and Joe Cole. And I think that's exactly what FC Cincinnati went out to do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Tampa, right? Like I said, Tampa's my number one team overall right now. They might pick to win it. But, of course, last year that was Rochester at this point. So <laughs> that didn't quite turn out. It wasn't a horrible pick, but it could have gone a lot better than it <laughs> sure. Joe, is there you know any part of you that sees the East as, a, as an arms race this this year coming up? I mean, I, I don't know if I think it's going to be much worse than it has been in the past couple mm-hmm. of years because the East, uh, as far as I'm concerned, has been you know a lot better than the West, yeah. and the the, the, comp- the level of competition uh, certainly isn't decreasing with a, the number of players that are kind of filtering into USL and especially throughout USL that now they're sort of becoming journeymen. Uh, I don't think that you're going to see anything, you know, uh, majorly different in the past couple of years. But uh, where I think, I think the biggest change, and I, you know, anyone can think I'm crazy for this, but I believe so strongly in Bob Lilly that I, even without Pittsburgh going out and making these huge signings that a lot of these other clubs have made, I really see them as a dark horse for, for maybe taking one of those, you know, top three spots. Mm. And I would not be at all surprised to see them make a deep push. Yeah. Brian, I'll, I'll throw it back to you only because I think it's interesting kind of the dynamic that you, well, not you personally, but you know, the club has with Tampa Bay. Do you, do you think there's and, and I don't want to use the jealousy word, but is there a bit of one upsmanship going on between the two of you guys? Because I mean, it seems, you know, almost like blow for blow, you guys are signing players and not that that's the entire purpose, but it's, it's a little strange to see, you know, those two clubs have the amount of players they have and the amount of quality players they have. So let's let's take the bigger narrative of this. Sure. Okay, it's about the money, guys. It's about the mm-hmm. money that's coming into this league to be able to go out and buy the good players. It's about NASL floundering and us being able to go and poach some of their better players, okay? You see that with Tampa. You've seen that with FC Cincinnati. You've seen that with Nashville. So one upsmanship, I don't know about that, but I think there's, there's plans of attack for both these clubs. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think that they, they see that you have to have different ways to win in this league, right? Yep. You, sometimes you're gonna have to you're gonna have to need the pace to hang up with some of these eighteen year old, twenty year olds on uh, New York Red Bulls too. But then you're gonna have to be able to have the technical players to beat Bob Lilly in Louisville City with James O'Connor, beekeeper. So, um, I mean, it's it's you, you have to be diverse, and I think these are two clubs that have used their pocketbooks to go out and do that. I'm thrilled to see how the, the overall roster is going to be with Indy 11. 
Nashville FC, North Carolina FC. I think it's gonna it's gonna be some just immense battles uh, that we really haven't talked about yet because Indy has Indy has three people signed and what North Carolina has like eight nine something like that yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. gonna be exciting. I can't wait to listen to your show in about three weeks. Yeah, really. We're uh, we're the plan is to get kind of all the 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 dirty south like the lower south kind of people on in one shot and i'm yeah. looking forward to that one as well i just think you see differences in how to build teams you see some yep. clubs going out and trying to get the usl vets you see some guys trying to go out and get any mls player they can find and uh i, I think there's a bunch of different ways to skin a cat here and you will see what happens so uh I'm not as bullish on Pittsburgh as you guys are. I think Bob Lilly's an excellent coach. I just think there's so much more talent in this league now that people are, including James O'Connor, are going to get you know a rude awakening. And then the uh, the last question from at soccer underscore Natty N A T I. Um, do we believe that since his approach to starting a lower division club will change the approach of new clubs being formed in the future, and uh, and has FCC the club not the government? organization raise the bar to, for what lower division clubs can accomplish with fan base and financial stability uh they have raised the bar my problem with crediting them with like changing how you start a club is that i don't think it's feasible for a lot of other clubs if only because a lot of other clubs aren't going to draw 15 20 000 people every match and make a lot of money off the gate um oh, come on all our tickets are free you know that well that's fair um or, or, I, I don't know like i i think and I, I think the mistake that a lot of people are going to run into is comparing every club that starts in usl or, or lower even i guess next year to cincinnati because that's a disservice for everybody um i don't i don't know that's just me kind of spitballing i think cincinnati's a bit of a unicorn and that it's one of those things that's pretty special for for what they did and you know how they did it and the amount of buzz they got in the city but i don't think it's one of those things that clubs should look to duplicate well on the field we haven't been the most successful besides the u.s open cup but but as far as the the you know just the the buzz and everything else a lot of a lot of good things happened at the right time for you guys and and you're, you're reaping the rewards of it for sure absolutely uh you got to tie in the mls you got to tie in capitalizing off what Sacramento Republic did. I think it's a disservice not to credit them with growing the game originally. I think they shook the I think they shook the bottle. I think we saw what they did and ran with it. I think we also added a lot of things ourselves. But um, you know, just in terms of being a, a football club, uh, I think there's a lot of things that people are going to have, have learned. We pushed Louisville better. Nashville's going to push us to be better. Indy's going to push them. So uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be better for everybody. Is a league, even when MLS caps expansion, I think it's going yep. to be better for the league in general. Joe Pony. Yeah, I mean, competition begets better competition. So the more teams that you get involved, the bigger that the league has grown. The closer that some of these teams are in terms of uh, geographic distance, uh, that helps competition. We've seen, you know, at at the MLS level. Uh, with the, the the Hudson River Derby. Obviously, it's been <laughs> not easy to get people out to Red Bull Arena. Mm-hmm. It wasn't easy to get people out to Giant Stadium. Having this rivalry, those games are the highest attended games of the year, not just because the blue team fans are coming in, but because there's now this this pride over ownership. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people obviously will, will, will take that as, you know, um, 
the Red Bulls are not a New York team and that becomes a thing. And now uh, you're starting to see that, I think, in in USL where, you know, years past, if you, talking about, you know, the Red Bulls two biggest rival, Rochester, that, that's not exactly a close rivalry. <laughs> you know, there's a great distance between those two clubs. Having teams closer like Beth Steele um, and, and being able to, maybe work that in over a number of years and having uh, uh, these high stakes games, be it, you know, a cup match or uh, uh, for the open cup or for a knockout game in the USL playoffs, it's just going to help things grow. I don't think that, uh, you know, you, you guys touched on this as, as far as, you know, Cincinnati uh, creating some kind of uh blueprint for what teams are going to have to do in the future as they come in i i think that uh that is a pretty unique situation in terms of how everything came together and i think that you know that was right for their market Mm. you're not going to see necessarily the same needs in every market as uh as things develop Um, but i think having having rivalries and close rivalries and uh, just the, the 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 talent pool that is now starting to filter through is going to help uh, continue to to grow things, even in where maybe you wouldn't think of a USL team existing, you know, three years ago, let alone five years ago. Yeah. Well, uh, gentlemen, I think that's going to do it for us. Um, let me plug this show, and then I'll, I'll move on to you guys. Uh, we upload. Wednesday mornings we record Tuesday nights so you'll be hearing this on a Wednesday hopefully um, you can find all of our, our shows and stuff like that uh, the uslshow.com is a good place to start that's usually where it goes live first we're also on iTunes Stitcher Google Play pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts just you know look us up we're also Twitter at the USL show we have something like 950 something followers and I'm still stunned that that's a thing um, you can find myself at Valella BSFC. Um, I write for Brotherly Game. I do this, uh, but it's mostly Bethlehem Steel based when I'm not talking about the league on this here podcast. Um, and definitely check out the Beautiful Game Network podcast, BGN.FM or at the BGNFM. Definitely a ton of podcasts that I will not remember all of right now, but there's that Joe guy that you just heard from is is on one. Um, and I guess that's a good way to kick to you, Joe. Where can people find you? I know we awoke you from a season end slumber to talk <laughs> about the Red Bulls too, but I'm I'm glad you're here. Well, the, I've I've been on a number of uh, uh, seeing Red shows this year um, mm-hmm. for the MLS side. Obviously, this is my first USL show of the year. You can find me uh, writing for SBISoccer.com. Uh, I am co-host of the Seeing Red podcast for the New York Red Bulls of MLS. If you have any interest in finding out about that team, it is a great show to listen to. We should have pretty fantastic guests. And of course, uh, the Raising Bulls podcast, which is also part of the Beautiful Game Network. And uh, yeah, I think we have a lot of fun stuff uh, in store for this season. There's a YouTube channel, Raising Bulls podcast, and uh, a Facebook.com slash Raising Bulls mm-hmm. and RaisingBulls.com. Yeah, I look forward to being on that one to talk about our our little two-team rivalries. Yes, yes, it shall be it'll fun. Be- It'll be fun. Uh, Pony, where can people find you? On Twitter, I am always at, at Iron Pony Chef. I also always. write for Indomitable City Soccer, mostly dealing with number-based stuff for West Coast teams, along with Ryan, who isn't here, is my East Coast patron. That's the right word? Probably not. It's, it's but, a new word, but we'll take it. 
uh, I write about numbers. I don't write about words. Mm, so mm. I have, I have, a, I have a out on that. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, I'm always usually talking about numbers, especially as the season kicks off when we have good numbers to talk about. We get a lot more active. <laughs> There's a bit of a lull there, I suppose. Uh, Brian, if people don't know where to find you already, where can they find you? Well, you can find our show uh, at Cincy, C-I-N-C-Y, Soccer Talk, CincinnatiSoccerTalk.com. You can find me at Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, Weigel, W-E-I-G-E-L, on Twitter. So got to have my weekly banner sessions with Pony, so make sure to check that out. And uh, I'm sure you'll be hearing a lot lot from us. Uh, You know, we talked, I think almost all of you guys have made an appearance on the Cincinnati Soccer Talk March to Match Day podcast where we, we break down the weekly FC Cincinnati match. So uh, can't wait to keep uh, talking to you guys throughout the whole year. For sure. And and uh, and I didn't call in last night because I, I forgot and I'm terrible, but <laughs> congratulations on 100 episodes. It's crazy. Yeah, it's um, insane. To, to give Mike his proper due because his internet has died like three times and he's not here anymore, at Mongols for them, um, like the only and like, but it doesn't matter because they're just a super good Pittsburgh Riverhounds podcast. Um, and, and he's the guy that founded BGN.fm. So go check all that stuff out for sure. Um, but on behalf of, uh, of Brian, Mike, Pony and Joe, it has been a pleasure. This has been a, a longer episode, but I think we all anticipated that. So, um, thanks for sticking with us. But on behalf of these guys, we will talk to you next week and definitely be on the lookout for our Western conference friends later this week or this weekend. So take care and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys soon.